developmental optometrist, award-winning author, and international speaker, Dr. Lynn Hellerstein holds powerful and inspiring conversations with her guests on Vision Beyond Sight in areas of healthcare, wellness, education, sports, and psychology. They share their inspirational stories of healing and life transformation through their vision expansion. Billions of people have vision problems, and vision is more than 2020. Vision Beyond Sight will help you see with clarity and gain courage and confidence. Your vision does not define you. You define your vision. With Dr. Lin's new way to look at your life through a new lens, you will be ready to meet yourself and receive visualizations for miracles to come. Welcome to Vision Beyond Sight. Hello, everyone. This is Dr. Lynn, and welcome to Vision Beyond Sight. Today visiting us is Christina Foxwell, and we're going to be talking about the ripple of transformation and healing. But first, let me share a couple very interesting things about Christina. She devotes her life to helping others find and follow their passions, transform their lives, and grow into the people they were always meant to be. Born in South Africa, She now leads an organization she founded in 2012 with global offices, and she's now based in Sydney, Australia, which happens to be uh, two o'clock in the morning right now. So we certainly thank you for your generous time. Christina's faced a lot of hardships and challenges that could have cost her life. She found a way to survive domestic violence, PTSD, and divorce before finding a path to healing and building a life of gratitude forgiveness, and love. As a CEO of her practice, Ignite Purpose, Christina has the privilege of guiding others on their life-changing journeys, helping organizations and leaders approach people and performance in new ways where human and people transformation are a key to success. And she talks about her most important roles as a wife, mother, daughter, and a glammy, a grandmother, which is beautiful. So, Christina, good morning and welcome to Vision Beyond Sight. Good morning, Lynn, Dr. Lynn. What a beautiful introduction. I feel so uh, grateful. Thank you very much for having me today. Oh, it's truly my pleasure. Uh, and looking at your website, and we'll have all that information on um, our show page later, but looking at your website, you've had quite a, an interesting challenging life and you know tell us about your story some so we can understand where you came from and what you know go into what you've created in just a minute well I think you know my life started as you know everybody any I would say anybody but I think you know we've all had a story I, I my life started in a home where I think my parents really loved each other my dad was a minister in the community um and you know, by all accounts, it should have been this beautiful white picket fence life. And um, at the age of five, I was molested by a family member. My dad being a minister, and this is, gosh, I'm almost 50, so this would be well over 40, 45 years ago. I think, you know, people didn't talk about when these things happened. And um, my dad hushed me 
in a way where he took care of it, but it was never spoken about. And that was the start of this ripple in my life, if we're talking about ripples this morning, that really impacted how I was seeing my world, how I was experiencing it. And it just was this consistent growth of dysfunctional behavior, me thinking I was bad, you know, so I went from that to various challenges as a young child, um, and I talk about it quite deeply in my book, to ending up uh, marrying my childhood sweetheart, and um, he was a riot squad policeman in the apartheid uh, when Nelson Mandela came out of um, prison, and at that stage there was tremendous violence in South Africa, and there was no help for people like who were seeing people die in your arms. And um, he went through all of that. And of course, we all have our own story, but I suffered domestic violence, mental abuse, tremendous. And then that led into some physical abuse. And, you know, I think when that happened, the PTSD that I suffered just went through the roof. And so... I really struggled with codependency, um, being controlled, and that was a bit of a pattern for me um, until I was a single parent and absolutely destitute when my little girl was about six, and I kind of rose to the occasion, if that (laughs) makes any sense. I think sometimes in our life we've got choices, and I just rose and um, became really focused on my career and successful and needed to heal though and then I hit this landmark moment in my life about 10 years ago when I started my practice realizing I needed to be happy and uh, needed to look at my life differently and I thought purpose was the answer which it has been but purpose without healing um, becomes a worthiness exchange challenge and that's quite profound isn't it it is very profound and first of all um thank you for sharing what was a very very challenging life early on for you and to be able to speak and share is something i'm sure was difficult but part of your healing process um christina you made a statement about you know when things are really tough that you did rise to the occasion, you made a choice. And I think that's such an important message that we can't always change what's happened to us. And it's not to um, belittle anything or, or, or uh, avoid what has happened to us, but it's up to us to make a choice as to how we're gonna live our life after that. And my question to you is, you know, how did you make that choice? I mean, how did you realize that it had to start from you? I realized that there was nobody else to help me. Mm-hmm. I had that first moment of choice. I um, I was sitting at a coffee shop in this shopping mall and I had just walked in on the man I'd been dating um, with another woman. 
And I was so devastated. My little girl was at her teacher who was helping me. My parents didn't live anywhere close. And at that stage, I was totally broken. I was, and um, I had a moment in my life where I chose me. I chose mm-hmm. her. And I had this thought hit me. And I do believe in divine intervention. I have to tell you that. I have to tell you, when you get to a place where you just can't do it anymore, um, I sat there and this thought really hit me that this was not this was not how my life would be defined. And I needed to look up and have hope and see the life I wanted. And I did that. Yeah. Yeah, and so beautifully said, and again, um, you had mentioned divine intervention. Yeah. Where and how did that show up for you? Was it you made the choice and looking in hope and that's where you turned? Or did you get one of those knocks from the universe? Uh, I think I got a knock from the universe. It just kind of bowled me over because I had tried to commit suicide a few years before that. Oh. And I was sitting there and I was I was at that door again. And it hit me. I think choice in that I hit the choice. I'm at a crossroad now. Mm-hmm. I had a reasonably okay job. I could take care of my daughter. We definitely were not, it wasn't easy. I had to rent the bedrooms out in our apartment so that we could have food to eat and put petrol in the car. Um, but you know what? On all accounts, I was surviving. And I want to say to you, surviving, moving to where I am right now, which is thriving, is the next step of the evolution. I had to oh. choose I had to choose me. So then I had to say, well, I'm gonna make my life different to this. So once you made that choice, then walk us through your healing process. Beautiful. And I and as you mentioned uh, or said about the choice, I'm also a firm believer of setting strong intentions, your whole shift that it was about you and making your choice, I think already opens the world to opportunities that maybe you never got to see before. So so share with us some of the of your healing journey. So it's so funny. It's almost like my healing journey went from and I, Brene Brown says this beautifully. I had to armor up um, to rise through this piece. And then I, I did. So I, I experienced the most amazing career transition. Um, in that time, I had my little boy, uh, which is another discussion because I never wanted to marry a man. So I had this, met this guy who was an engineer and I felt pregnant with my son. I was so excited. Um, I had him, but I worked incredibly hard. So I think that first part of rising out through this piece was um, pushing through and having glimpses of real joy, but pushing through. And then I managed to get to a point where I met my now husband in Canada. He's not Canadian, by the way. He's British, and he was working in Australia. But we worked for the same global company, and we just became great friends. And 
I came to visit him here in Australia, and this is a single mom. I have to be with everyone. Single mom, a little child who's three, another little girl who's a diabetic type one. I come to Australia and I'm dreaming big, Dr. Lynn. That's beautiful. I want to live here, and I really like this man. So if it works, that's wonderful. Now, you have to realize my track record with men was horrendous. and I was like, right, I'm going to come to Australia. This is about visioning. I started becoming a true creator of my life. I said, right, I'm going to come to Australia. I'm going to apply for a 457 visa. Now, I don't have a degree. I've got lots and lots of learning, and I've got unbelievable experience. But there was no money for me to have a degree. My parents came from nothing. Um, and so I just – but I built my career. And I said, well, I'm going to do this. I applied when I got back to Australia, and by within two months, I had a, an offer, which was an amazing salary and a role, to come to Australia. Isn't that great? Isn't that great? So I arrived here in June <laughs> with suitcases, pink suitcases. I will never forget it. A furnished apartment that I was moving to, and these two little children at Sydney Airport. Wow. And little did I know, you know, the Aboriginal um, people say that if you are in, if, if the universe invites you to live in Australia, you come here as a learner to learn. And isn't that so profound? That is beautiful. And again, I just see, I see this creation of what happened and an opportunity gets not dropped in your lap, but presents yourself that you can make choices to do that. And I love that. I was brave choices. Everyone said, are you mad? And I went, no, <laughs> I'm not mad. This is just where my life needs to go. Um, people thought I was very courageous. I didn't think about it that much. I just thought it as the next step. It's the next step of what I need to do. And in some ways I was wanting to be with John um, and yet I was resided to, if it works, it's wonderful. If it doesn't, I'll be fine. And we were together. We, he, he took care of us. He's a courageous man, younger than me. But my transformation really hit the next level when about ooh, three, four, four years later, five years just before we got married, um, I realized that I was struggling with happiness and that even though I'd created this life and I had executive roles and it was wonderful and we were rebuilding, I was really struggling with my feeling of joy. Now, this is where the transformation turns to freedom. Yeah, could I ask you a question about the transformation? You know, a lot of people have mixed feelings or definitions of what that means. I mean, a lot of people feel broken and that's, it seems as I'm broken, but people really feel and live like they are broken. Does transformation mean that we are or were broken? Look, I think based on my work and the studies I've been doing, I think all of us have had some form of dysfunctional childhoods, even if it feels perfect. <laughs> You know, our vision as a child is when we look at our parents, you know, we see them as our home, right? But 
I think we've all got some stuff that happens to us as we're growing up because we're humans trying to be good together, but we're not always good to each other, that we carry these scars with us. And then that becomes how the lens through which we look at our life and translate our worth. And that to me is the profound thing. So I did feel I was broken, truthfully. When I met John, I said to him, I feel like I'm a glass angel with broken wings. Um, you know, like an angel you hang in a Christmas tree. And I felt like I was hiding my brokenness <clears throat> through creating success for myself and thereby hopefully feeling less worthless. Now, I'm using really big words here right uh well I, i'm following you and, and you're you're so fluent in taking us on your journey i mean you're creating a such a i won't say lovely story i mean a story that is so deep and emotional but i'm seeing the energy moving you forward which is uh really beautiful because a lot of you know we know that there's so many men and women that have um faced domestic violence and other types of trauma, um, do you think and do you feel you can truly heal from that pain? And you've shown evidence you can rebuild your life, but you went through covering it up with being successful in a career, you know, that sounded great, yet there still was that happiness or joy that seemed to be missing in your life. Do you think you can really totally heal from that pain and rebuild your life? Look, absolutely. I will say it's not easy. But what's what's worse, you know, so carrying carrying this heavy armor and hiding and feeling shame, the shadow of shame hang over your life every day and fighting it or putting it down and surrendering to your story and changing the way you see your story to be free. That's huge, differentiating that it's a story that we've created that nobody wants to take responsibility for, but it is our story. And just being able to identify it then puts you in another place of choice. 100%. And, you know, Dr. Lynn, when I started this practice of mine, Ignite Purpose, in 2012, as I said, I'd found purpose. So I thought purpose would give me that fill the gap in me. And it did to a degree, but then I started exchanging my worthiness for my purpose. <laughs> uh, it was fueling my purpose. And it was the two were just making me ill. I, work, I can work really long hours. I don't know if you've met many South Africans, but my word – there's this thing we do, which is we just grind. We work incredibly hard. Um, and maybe because where we come from, you know, there is no social benefit. So if you don't work, you don't live. Mm -hmm. And that's what I taught myself as I've just shared my story components to it. And uh, my son, who is now 18, four, five years ago, this is where that moment of absolute crystallization hit me. I started the practice. I learned about uh, purpose. 
I learned about Dr. Brene Brown's work. Thank you, Dr. Brene Brown. If you ever listen to this, you have made such a difference in my life because you taught me the language. Yes, one of my favorites, all-time favorites. Absolutely. She taught me language. And I think with language, my brain starts understanding what's happening to me. So I taught language, but I was struggling with my connecting with my emotion because it was it was such a torrent of pain. And so five years ago, I'm sitting with my son at his mental health therapy session because he refuses to go to school for two years prior to that. I know, because he'd been bullied, because he's, once again, a beautiful, smart boy, but struggles to communicate, right, or or struggles to communicate with kids, so there's trauma, and um, I walk in with my suitcases, because, of course, mommy's about to go on a road trip with her business again, and I see the therapist watch me as I arrive, I've got a hire car fetching me, and my husband is sitting there. And we start unpacking my son's life. And she looks up at me and she said to me, do you think you could work less? Interesting. Did he say anything about that? Or that was just the therapist's awareness? I, well, before Josh said anything, I, that, that was my touching point. I'd suffered guilt as a parent who worked hard. But I had told myself, listen to this, I had told myself that I needed to work at this tremendous pace, build this business, be somebody so that I could take care of my children. And as I looked at her, I said, I looked at my husband, I said, do you see that man there? He's got no requirement to take care of me or my children. He could leave me at any time. This relationship could turn on its head at any time. And you wanting me to hand my trust to him. I said, I can't do that. And now he's crying because he's a gentle giant. He's crying. I'm crying. And my son says this. He says, she does it for me. Wow. For a kid to be able to be aware of that. That's astonishing. It's astonishing. Yeah. When I left, though, the therapist phoned me and said, I am diagnosing you with PTSD. You have got a massive issue. I said, lady, I know I'm an executive coach. <laughs> yeah, of course. Talking about, I said, I um, I know Brene Brown's work. And, and she said to me, I don't care who you know and who you don't know. I don't care what you are. If you do not heal, your son won't heal. Wise therapist. That is really beautiful. Brave therapist. Wise wise therapist so christina we're just almost out of time Uh, we're coming up on break so i want you to hold your thought and when we get back from uh break i'd really like to uh, move now into the growth and transformation in your families and organizations which is already happening uh, as you're speaking about the the therapy with your son so uh, we'll be back with you in just a few few minutes and thanks so much. Thank you. Dr. Lynn will be right back after this.
Can your child see, really see, more than 2020? Does your child struggle in school, have trouble with tracking when reading, or resist writing? Dr. Lynn Hellerstein's award-winning book, See It, Say It, Do It, provides parents and teachers with specific tools and strategies in visualization and processing. Improve and empower your child's and performance in school, sports, and play. Get See It, Say It, Do It on Amazon or visit lynnhellerstein.com. Developmental optometrist, award-winning author, and international speaker, Dr. Lynn Hellerstein holds powerful and inspiring conversations with her guests on Vision Beyond Sight in areas of healthcare, wellness, education, sports, and psychology. They share their inspirational stories of healing and the life transformation through their vision experience. Vision Beyond Sight will help you find clarity in your functional vision and expand the power of your seeing brain to gain courage, confidence, and success in your life. Join Dr. Lynn each week for a new exciting episode, Vision Beyond Sight. Dr. Lynn Hellerstein's book, 50 Tips to Improve Your Sports Performance, has identified the top 50 ways for you to achieve excellent results in any sport activity. Enhance eye-mind-body coordination skills, achieve the mental edge, prevent injuries. This book belongs in every athlete's or coach's sports bag. Get 50 tips to improve your sports performance on Amazon or visit lynnhellerstein.com. Welcome back to Vision Beyond Sight. Here's Dr. Lynn. Thanks, everybody, and welcome back. We've had just such a um, very deep, touching conversation with Christina Foxwell, who's in Australia, talking about the ripple of transformation and healing. And she has uh, shared so openly her um, very challenging, uh, difficult life experiences um, and she brought up part of her healing was uh, especially learning some of Brene Brown's work, which is uh, I've read Brene Brown's books and seen some of her media. And uh, I find her so helpful as well. And I remember when I first started reading her, you know, one of her big concepts is all about, I call it the V word, word V as in vulnerability, a word that I can hardly say uh, and have <laughs> been working in my life to be in that place of being open and vulnerable. And I uh, just mentioned that to Christina for a moment. And you want to just comment on that process of, you know, how you work through that, because for years you hid, you were ashamed, you tried to cover up and being vulnerable is like being totally opposite of those kinds of things. Absolutely. Being vulnerable, gosh, being vulnerable was 
you if you know vulnerability, it's different to do vulnerability. <laughs> that's to be in vulnerability. That's correct. Yeah. So I think five years ago, it feels like the five-year mark was the big it was a moment where I had to choose to step into and through vulnerability. And it was incredibly scary, painful um, to shed this armor and this heaviness that you've carried for so long. I didn't know how to do it. I didn't know how to put it down. I didn't know how to step into vulnerability. And I like saying this to people. I had to walk through fear. Yes. And hell, if you've been like me, fear meant pain. Pain meant chaos. Chaos meant ripples, meant out of control, circus life. So you you'd, you avoid fear because you're avoiding feeling your emotions. But the problem is if you carried it as long as I did and recognized that it was propelling you, but you were going into this place where healing was no choice. I mean, if I was doing this for my son and he's saying to me, she does this for me, and the therapist says to me, your family won't heal if you don't heal, do you think I have a choice? Of course I had a choice. I could go, lady, you're talking rubbish. I'm just going to keep. But I love my son so much that I had to choose me. Yeah. And we'll do anything for our kids often much sooner uh, than we would ever think about doing it for ourselves, of course. Thank you. So because of him, I had to choose me. And I'm so oh, grateful. Yeah, that's great. Well, let's move on. Um, you're already talking about the ripple of and um, of growth and transformati- transformation in family. As you were trying to help your son, it was apparent that uh, you need to go through some transformation, but continue on, you know, this ripple of growth and transformation, not only in the family, but then how you moved into helping other people and creating your organization. Fabulous. So my organization was focusing already in high performance work, which is my background, but I was using purpose as the driver. I wasn't inserting healing and transformation as the, as the driver. And by the way, Dr. Lynn, people run away from that. <laughs> yes, of course they do. Very confronting. Actually, they find me very confronting sometimes. Even just sharing the story, you would have had people possibly switch off and not being able to listen further. And that isn't right or wrong, it just is. So as I went through healing and transformation, I put the pain story down And I stepped into rewriting my story. Okay. So Uh I had a a very good therapist, Dr. Robbie Fullerton. He's American living in here in Australia. And we did acceptance commitment therapy. And I just have to mention this. He said to me, what are we working on? I said, peacefulness. I need to be free and I need to be peaceful. Isn't that a wonderful way to describe breaking into transformation and healing? So you cannot do that without surrendering to the story. Yes. And I hear that as the way I talk about intention, you have just laid it out so clear, free and peaceful. Free and peaceful. Because there are so many of us walking around today that are not free. We feel trapped by our story and we're not peaceful because we are beating ourselves up relentlessly about who we are not. 
You know, I, I had just read just this week uh, an article and they described peaceful. I mean, what is peaceful? We all could describe it our own way, but I love this description. Peaceful was life without judgment. Mm. Uh, wow, that gets rid of the story, self-judgment. It gets rid of a lot of uh, things we do to beat ourselves up. Exactly. And so I stepped into choosing me, healing, shifting the way I see my story. And then, of course, I am a, I'm a learner. So I think I outpaced my therapist at times, which I think can be really hard for a therapist. Because <laughs> you've got all this knowledge and suddenly it comes to life. You're uh-huh. like, ooh, I can walk next to people. And the language you use because you've educated yourself is it shifts the way you are thinking about your life. And um, that just sped up my learning journey. So as I was learning, I was applying it on myself. And that was just phenomenal because Eckhart Tolle, love him. Love him too. (laughs) You're not my thoughts. I was like, I'm not my thoughts. If there's any, I'm not my thoughts. I can be different. Oh my gosh, I am different. And I started listening to my thoughts and realizing the impact my thoughts had on my emotions, you know, and how my story and my had created these values for me that were feeding my thoughts and my emotions. And do you hear how I'm going on this journey and how I could actually shift it? So, yes, I'm sitting watching Brene Brown at, a, at one of her conferences and um, I'm in the audience and we're doing a values thing and I'm like values hard work persevere you know there's no nothing wrong with it but it's all armored up values it's all these really tough values I had to have to survive in my life and now I'm choosing thriving and I'm laying down this stuff so my values are transforming to love generosity honesty um, empathy, like I know these are, but this is who I am. And I start having this connection with the essence of who I am, not with who I'm told I need to be. And so I step into the space and I come across Dr. Um, uh, Professor Shazad Shamin's work on positive intelligence and it just takes my healing and transformation to that next level. And love transforms me. What a huge shift in transformation. Just the languaging, but embodying. embodying It's not just a thought. It ends up being in your body as well. And you're now living and making your choices through love. That's kind of the essential love and now I go into corporates so now I you know if you transform you cannot help but that transformation being a ripple in your entire life that's right so now I'm I get to work with people and I coach people oh my gosh now I'm looking at them through a lens of different compassion like not just trying to support them I move actually from being a fixer to a full supporter people say to me how can you sit through how many coaching sessions a day and not feel heavy? Okay, because I am called to stand next to them and hold space for them. I am called to hear them and to see them. 
I'm not called to fix them. They have to fix themselves. My job is truly being an alchemist and and shining and loving to their life. I love that analogy, being an alchemist. I'm an alchemist. I was given the gift of alchemy to be an alchemist. I think we're all called to be an alchemist. And that means for me, I mean, years ago I worked in an investment bank. My background's actually in investments and pension funds, if you can believe it. That's interesting. And hey, but, but I worked in this company and we spoke about alchemy as part of the values and it, it never left me. But as I was going through this process, I realized that my alchemy was my life didn't look like something precious. And as I started healing and transforming, and alchemy is a, a heat, it's, a, it's an uncomfortable process. We spoke about walking through vulnerability, being walking through fear, incredibly uncomfortable and almost scorching. And then as I come out the other end, my life is just the way it needed to be because I had to almost burn off that shame to be free. Again, what a beautiful analogy and, and um, not only in words, but in, in feelings and emotions to move forward in that. Um, this certainly makes your kind of work unique because so many coaches is, again, purpose driven or organization and planning. And that that is helpful. Yes. But this goes to the heart, to the heart of the issue. Um, it does. How else would you describe your work um, being uniquely, you know, different than other traditional coaching practices? The coaches who I am and the other coaches that are supporting me in this work as we've evolved, we do the work relentlessly in ourselves. So and I think that's essential. Essential. Uh, all the work I've done in visualization has come about because of where I've started with myself, realized, and then start teaching and sharing. Um, that's yes. really important. Yes. So it starts in us. So we're not we're not here as a, you know, incredibly, and I and I haven't got a challenge with this, but we're not coming in as an expert that has you know, studied a hundred things. Of course, we've studied a lot and we know our work, but our work is different because we are the transformation that we bring. <laughs> so yes. I have to be incredibly careful as we extend our practice and we are intending to extend into the US at the end of this year. Wow. Uh, absolutely. Uh, we have, I, would, I want one person in each state who can who has transformed their life to do the transformation work in organizations and to be able to walk with organizations because that's what we do we walk next to leaders and it's hard sometimes because we take the lens of giving you insight and perspective and ensuring that as we deliver it it doesn't land as judgment so that shame does not overshadow your growth that's beautiful. Do you actually just work with the leader? Or do you work with the entire well, we organization? End up working with the entire organization across years. Uh -huh. um, and we create the ripple from there. If you think about it, because we're embedding transformation in people's lives, and we do it through creating language. 
creating purpose and then holding the space. And I have to tell you, <laughs> sometimes, uh, you know, the feedback I get is, Christina, 80% of us loved it and 20% absolutely couldn't take you for a single second longer. <laughs> and, wow. Uh, it used to make me feel bad, like this organization's paying me to come in. But you know what I've realized is I'm creating a catalyst moment for those that couldn't take it a moment longer. Yeah, what happens to those 20th, 20%? I say there's always one in a session. Um, that some, some people stick it out and they see this unbelievable shift in their life. Mm-hmm. And some people... I'm so gracious with because the shadow of their armor that they're wearing is too heavy to see the light yet. I get it. Yep. And I have to have compassion and grace for them. Mm-hmm. Such compassion because them not being able to shed or see, it's, it's just not time yet. And <laughs> it's, that's okay. And that's a wonderful example of holding space for yeah. somebody that, you know, it's not going the direction you had hoped for, but you're holding space and not judging. So it gets them in a place that they still can make a choice. Absolutely. And I have to tell you that as I do this work and deepen this work, because organizations don't go in and go, whoo, Christina, come heal us. You know, like really, how much is how many people are going to pay for that, right? So, uh, <laughs> even though it's priceless, <laughs> the healing comes through the transformation work, and the depth. I mean, we start the work, and often people end up going from us into their therapy. You know, kind of coming backwards and forwards because we are not doctors of psychology; we're coaches, but we come with a transformation lens. And then we take it and we help them in the organization to find flow. And then we equip them on how to put their judge down and how to put that pain down. And it is incredible to see how they come through this piece. And it's just phenomenal to see how organizations and teams truly transform. And I often say, I mean, our work, when we go into organizations, it is not a day. It is not a week. It is 18, 24 months of work. The transformation happens, though, because we're transforming the culture of the organization then. And mm-hmm. people are learning how to be with each other without judgment, which we actually call the, you know, the, the, the metaphor we use is a hive. It's like a beehive where people learn. And this is human. Like this is, this is what we're called for. We're called to be together. And so we're called to be in this community together to work together to to take our work that we're doing and to really make a difference see this is where purpose comes to life yes because we can talk about purpose but if people don't learn how to transform their life they struggle to be better together to actually deliver the purpose that they've set because it's fine to speak about the purpose you've set but to truly create it means you need to transform. And what a gift you give not only to the organization, but the individuals. It becomes a ripple effect for their own families as well, which is uh, the real gift of having somebody to come in at a work situation um, uh, 
which is what you do. Christina, we only have a couple minutes left, and I want to make sure you have a chance to talk about your book and uh, how people are able to uh, contact you. Thank you. So I wrote my story even more deeply than what I've shared today, much deeper. Uh, My book's in three parts. It's called The Glass Angel, A Guide to Transformation, Healing and Growth, Unlocking Your Potential. And it truly does that. It helps you see how to do it through my story. The stories, I wrote my, my book in three parts. The first part is the metaphor of the glass angel. And I do believe it's a truly beautiful story. The second part is my story about healing and how I've turned, looked at each element of my life, doused it in love, forgiveness, acceptance and hope and changed the story. And the third part is alchemy practices for you to change yours. You can get my book on Barnes and Noble and Amazon, Christina Foxwell, or you can reach out to me on ignitepurpose.com.au and on Facebook and LinkedIn. And of course, I just like to connect with people and I share stuff on my social media all the time to empower you to shift your life. Which is great. We'll have all this information on the show notes. Um, and, and I'm curious, through the pandemic time, yeah. when you know we weren't in the office, were you able to continue your work through Zoom or some other platform? Absolutely. Yeah. We moved on to Zoom. I learned how to be agile. <laughs> I learned how to embrace technology in an amazing way. And it's changed our practice. So we 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 coach people all over the world. That's how I've been able to now build this practice of global teams because, you know, we can connect with each other. We've got all this technology to our advantage, um, and it's just amazing. So yes, absolutely. I I built a, a app in that time. Um, we honed our coaching, and you know what? People said you can't coach over Zoom. It's not, it's not, doesn't connect deeply. I'll share this with you. When I send love through any form of technology and peacefulness, transformation happens through the coaching we do. It, it, it doesn't matter. I don't have to sit physically with you. It works. Well, I know that to be true from some of my own personal experiences, as well as just listening to your story has touched my heart. Um, whether I can see you or not, just through your words, your voice. And I truly want to just honor, acknowledge you for being so open and sharing and moving us through, you know, difficult, difficult times and trauma into a, a life that you're creating, you have been creating as being free and peaceful uh, and loving. And so I encourage all our audience to, Listen to this again and check out your website and just feel the love that you bring just with your spoken word. And then, you know, take it on for yourself and see who else in your life, your family and your your business that you can impact. So I thank you so much and uh, wish you the best. Looking forward to meeting you someday. And um, just appreciate you getting up so early in the morning and being with us today.
Thank you for joining us today on Vision Beyond Sight. Join Dr. Lynn Hellerstein each week to help you find clarity in your functional vision and expand the power of your seeing brain to gain courage, confidence, and success in your life. Remember, your vision does not define you. You define your vision. For more information and find additional podcasts, visit lynnhellerstein.com. See you next time on Vision Beyond Sight.